a light version of something that's created for um, a, a classic sort of for-profit business often doesn't work. Um, and that's something that we uncovered pretty quickly. I think we can all agree that charity generally makes the world a better place. But without modern technology, it's a struggle to keep up. Today, we're talking to Lightful, who are helping to create digital strategies that helps those charities do just that. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a little bit of tech news. We are back for an episode of Tech Talks, actually being recorded after last week when we pre-recorded everything because I was away, actually recorded on time. Uh, so uh, lovely to be back from holiday. Akish, in the meantime, you've hit 3-0. I have, I have. Um, and, and that's my age, not anything else, not, not in any other... What metrics. else would it be? I don't know, 3-0, I don't know. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you feeling older? Not really. Um, no? Can't, no feel the same to be honest um yeah don't really feel any any different I mean, maybe i should who knows but feel, feel the same uh, yeah to be honest it's it's a bit kind of everyone gets a bit excited about nothing but mm. as we were saying before we hit record your 30s are pretty good like yeah. that that people say that it, it's true mm. it's it's a good decade life's a bit easier bit more money it's not a bad time of life Nah, it's not and i think regardless of age you should be grateful for Every year you got really, to be honest. So whether it's 29, 30, 31, 32, the list goes on. Let's see. But yeah, that's no, good. It's good. And um, good to be recording in person because we had that absolute marathon of recordings where I was... You were hungover. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was a bit hungover. Yeah. Um, and uh, I am completely sober now. So Brilliant. Uh, well, I hope so. It's Monday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. Uh, I'm morbid of you as well, you know. <laughs> Your comment a minute ago. Anyway, one good thing about your 30s, bit more money, bit more kind of affluence to spend on things, hopefully, including, if you want, charity. Giving back. You can support a bit more, mm. uh, which is a lovely little neat link into today's interview with Lightfall. So we'll hand over to the interview and we'll be back in a moment to discuss. So today I'm chatting to Vinay and Carlos, uh, co-founders of Lightful. Correct? Two, two of a two co-founders of a three-man co-founding team. Am I right in saying that? You are. You are correct. Somehow all the what? same height, but look totally different. Yeah. And, and, what did the other? What did the other person do? Not to get on the call, eh? I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's <laughs> he's he's. Uh, so it, it, it depends from your perspective. Maybe depending on how tough you're going to be, maybe he's going to be the lucky one. So we'll we'll see, David. We'll see. <laughs> but if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know it's never tough. So, <laughs> so uh, let, let, let's not worry about that. Uh, before we get into anything else, um, who are Lightful, and what do you what do each of you do within that business? Cool. Well, thank you, David. We're really happy to to be on this podcast. Two thirds, or as a whole, uh, it's still wonderful to uh, to chat with you. So um, Carlos, myself, and our third co-founder, Johnny, uh, about six years ago, set up Lightful, really with uh, a sense that technology has the opportunity to help the charity sector, social enterprise, and the broader beyond profit sector to really amplify its voice, engage with people who are doing a lot of um, creative, powerful, and impactful work in a world that needs it more than ever, and as well as sort of seeing how technology is supporting sectors like I don't know, mini cabs and, and takeaways. Well, actually, this massive part 
this of the economy of society um, could really um, do with the technological support to help them to deliver more impact. And what started as a kernel of an idea, all three of us were involved in different ways uh, in the charity sector, um, became uh, this company of, of 60 people operating in over 50 countries uh, and helping over a thousand nonprofits with our digital products and services. So it's been a really exciting journey. And if anything, as the last 18 months has unfolded, highlighted that we're, we're just getting started. And if you don't, I, I mentioned kind of, it'd be just interesting to find out how you've divided those roles in, into the organization in terms of what you're doing. I suppose that to answer that, it might be worth saying, you know, what, what did you do beforehand? You said you you all came from the charity sector, but what, what roles did you play in organizations previously? Um, Vinay, why don't, why don't we start with you and find out what you did and then, and then, and then Carlos. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So we, um, we, all do come from different backgrounds, but in many ways uh, have a sort of similar uh, ethos and, and values um, that underpin and, and drive us. And I think that's why um, we've worked really well uh, over the last number of, of years. My own background, so uh, originally Indian, actually grew up in Ireland, uh, moved over to London about 20 years ago. Um, people might believe that I'm Irish more by uh, podcast than when they see me on a TEDx talk or something. But um, the um, my background, you know, a little bit um, uh, in, in a couple of different areas. I worked in uh, finance in the private sector for some time. Uh, 10 or 12 years ago, I spent some time in public health in sub-Saharan Africa um, and here in the UK. And then I got involved in uh, really helping to grow a field called impact investing, um, which is this idea of investing for both the financial return and a social environmental impact. And in many ways, that has been the um, underpinning of how we can build an organization that can see profit and purpose positively reinforce each other, coexist and actually scale. And uh, it's an area that has grown massively. The ESG market uh, seems to grow month on month in, in an incredible way. Um, and, and so a lot of my background was spent meeting lots of very inspiring in person when I'd have meetings with small, medium or large charities that you think, wow, how did, how did I not more, know more about them? But then when you dug into kind of their social media presence or their digital um, sort of engagement, it was frankly often very poor. And given authenticity is often valued, given charities have great stories to tell, my own perspective, and I'll let Carlos jump in with his, was, wait a minute, if we can help create the um, kind of products, services, give the skills and support to these organizations, well, then we can help them amplify their voice and, and do more of the work that they really need to do. So that was a lot, lot of where my own perspective came from. Yeah, I mean, I think, by the way, David, for the record, I think you saved the the better of the two origin stories for last. So uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, it, no, you know, I, um, I my background was in consulting. So I started a firm uh, that just celebrated its 10th anniversary this year called IG Advisors um, in 2011. And IG is a management and strategy consultancy focused exclusively in the social and environmental space. And so we provide philanthropy advice, corporate impact consultancy, and fundraising and management consultancy for charities, nonprofits, social enterprises. So this is a field. And before that, I was working at charities. I was working in fundraising. So this is my entire career has been in this space. And IG 
um, through a lot of hard work and a lot of, uh, you know, um, amazing talent that we were able to acquire at the firm has grown and grown and grown. Um, about a few years after I started at IG, I started a second company called Social Misfits Media, a very different brand, a very different kind of name and feel all by design that focused on providing social media and digital consultancy to the same clientele. So it was very much fishing this exact same pool as IG, but was providing a completely different service. And through Social Misfits Media, um, which, uh, which was fully acquired last year by uh, Freud's Communications, and so I'm now just involved with them um, as, a non, as an NED, is, um, but through Social Misfits, I was getting involved in all elements of social media and digital in the charitable space. And I just kept coming up with this idea of like, you know, that who's providing proper fit for purpose technology solutions for the space. You know, that's not to say that there aren't people that, that that there aren't people that weren't doing it or that aren't doing it because there are. But on the whole, it just, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of tech companies that do stuff in the space tend to retrofit or water down some of their existing solutions or services or, or products for the charity sector. And really what they need is fit for purpose, in, in many cases, fit for purpose stuff. So I met Vinay, uh, we were injured while he was at, uh, with this impact investing hat on, we had a mutual contact who said, uh, have you, do you know Vinay Nair? And I was like, no, I don't know him. And she said, the two of you will get on like a house on fire. So I'm going to connect you. And we did. And, and we did. And, and, you know, well, let, well, let's see David be the judge of that. Uh, and we met actually David, uh, a, a week or two after Vinay had his, had his daughter, which was like his first, his first, uh, kid which was like two months after I had had my first twins. So like I had, I had my, my I had two kids in one go. Uh, and I, we meet, we meet in some coffee shop that doesn't exist anymore in Waterloo. And I go in and Vinay says, the first thing he says to me is, you know, I, I have to just apologize. I'm usually really bubbly and I now go in, I just had my first kid and I'm just really tired. And I was like, uh, what are you talking about? I just had two kids and I'm, I'm doing amazing. So you got nothing, you got nothing to compare. And then that was that. And that was like I the was beginning like, I like this guy, uh, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. But, uh, you know, aside from, so obviously, so we met, we started talking and after about a year, we just kind of settled. We were like, we need to do something. We need to, we need to, we need to do something at the intersection of technology and social impact and rightful, you know, after many iterations and many pivots, as you can imagine, obviously was born. So you're tackling the fact that what, 63% of charities don't have a digital strategy, 75% have few digital skilled people uh, employed as staff. Are those stats, were they pre or, or let's not say, well, post pandemic for want of a better phrase, it's not really post, yeah. is it? But was that was that a survey before the, the pandemic hit? No, that's, that's, post the pandemic starting so within the last i think six right. mm-hmm. when we're dealing with a digital strategy for um uh, a charity are we is it a case that we are literally just trying to to mature their tech offering or is it that you're having to provide something that's different to say you know, uh, uh, an SME or an enterprise or someone someone working in the commercial sector because obviously charities are different by nature but is it a case that it's just getting them going on the on the same journey so in um it's a great question because in so many ways there are overlapping areas but just as carlos was saying um kind of a a light version of something that's created for 
um, a, a classic sort of for-profit business often doesn't work. Um, and that's something that we uncovered pretty quickly. Now, it's worth noting, of course, the charity sector is big, 180,000 um, in, in the UK alone, you know, a million in, in the US, add in NGOs in the developing world and so on. It's a, it's a really big part of, uh, of the global economy. Um, what's quite unique about uh, this, uh, the, the sector, of course, there are different segments. So you'll have the famous 100 uh, brands, you know, Cancer Research UK, Amnesty International, um, that are well-known, that are incredibly well-staffed, often people with a big, diverse um, kind of background that are working with them. And just to jump in, you might be able to, to flesh some, so add some meat hit rather to, to, to the bones here, but I understand that an alarmingly high percentage of of, um, of charitable donations go to something like cancer kids and, and, and animals, right? Which means that there are hundreds of thousands of charities perhaps out there who are are struggling for oxygen because they maybe don't fit into those exactly that's exactly it so they might not fit into those cause areas and you know you think about um you know the emergent of uh, cause areas around gender equality and racial equity uh, and climate justice which have been massive in let's say the last two years and the shifting trends around intergenerational giving and engagement so on some of those areas that you said are, are 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 definitely changing but it's those cause areas and often the size um that organizations you know North of 95%, actually even 99% of, of charities typically have less than a million pounds of annual income. And actually, in many ways, a lot of what we really believe is those sort of those small and medium-sized charities, what could Lightful do to provide um, more tailored, using human-centered design, really understanding what's required? Because the pain points can be slightly different. And what's very powerful is these charities um, very naturally have those authentic and impactful stories that are quite tailored to um, engaging with audiences. So in many ways, the way we think about it is um, you have often the uh, communications and fundraising side of these charities. So helping not only with the tools, but also the skills and support to help uh, charities to be able to find their voice in the pandemic, irrespective of their cause area, if they're not in public health, engage with their audience and create an ongoing engagement call to action, raise funds, give feedback on the impact of donations. So a big part of what Lightful does, we have a program called the Bridge Program, really focuses on that comms and fundraising piece. Um, we also think a lot of, around when that money is raised, how can they deliver services in more effective ways? So, you know, service delivery technology is an important part. What can be productized so that products are affordable to many charities? Maybe they're working with volunteers, maybe they're working with caseworkers. Maybe they, you know, they have overlapping needs. So part of Lightful again is focused on the, the product side, so that that service delivery can um, increase in its efficacy and therefore impact. And finally, you know, in terms of pure organization of data, CRM, you know, all of the stuff that you might expect um, to to exist, finding out what those needs, user stories, requirements are for charities is again what we do. So there is definitely overlap. But actually, there's so much unique opportunity that exists as well as challenge that we really want to always tailor it to the sector. So, Carlos, just to jump in here, um, let me get this right. Today, um, the technology that you've built has helped charities fundraise 64% more during the COVID-19 pandemic than before. Um, then I mentioned the bridge there. What, what technologies are we talking about? Because I don't really understand exactly what else you can do apart from a fundraising page online that you direct people to on social. So I'm assuming this is around 
social itself and the fact that there's been this explosion of perhaps slightly older generations coming online and using digital services in a way that they weren't doing prior to the pandemic because they've had to because they've had to go online to shop and stuff is it is it somehow just getting the message in front of them rather than a re-architecting of how you donate perhaps um, I mean, that's an excellent question. And the answer is kind of uh, D, all of the above, right? So it really depends on the organization. And sometimes some of our technology is, you know, how do you build your own fundraising pages? So it's perfectly reasonable and actually sometimes even better for organizations just to sign up, you know, to any of the many uh, kind of fundraising, free fundraising, fundraising pages that are out there that you can easily sign up for. And sometimes that's appropriate. Other times, especially for medium-sized organizations that want to be able to control all the data to be able to, you know, really design their their own fund, the fundraising journey within the organization, we can do that, right? So obviously there's all of these off-the-shelf off-the-shelf services that are available. And a lot of the times those things are right for an organization. But LIFO can come in and with our um, kind of a LIFO products division, really help to design bespoke fundraising pages that not only look like your brand and your website, but are actually fully integrated into your CRM and in, you know, and into kind of your own style of doing the donor journey. So yes, on the one hand, it is about the actual guts, the actual technology of it that we can, at Lightfold, that we can put together. Um, on the other hand, Vinay mentioned the bridge program. There is a lot of education that goes along um, with what we do. So, you know, Lightfold is basically divided in terms of what we do into three divisions, right? So we have Lightfold products, which is our, our fundraising pages is one of our products. Um, we have Lightful Solutions, which is kind of very bespoke technology consultancy. So what an Accenture would do for a Fortune 500 company, we do for, you know, the largest nonprofits in the world. And then we have Lightful Learning, which is our e-learning division. And Vinay mentioned our bridge program, right? And our bridge program is our flagship e-learning um, e e e e e program. And what it does is it helps a charity Think about, become better storytellers. So, you know, fundraising, there is a mechanical component of fundraising, which is really important. How do I reach into my pocket and give you one pound? And how does that pound transfer from my pocket into your bank account? Um, actually, you know, that's actually kind of complicated for a lot of organizations. And so there's that component of it, which we can help out with. But then there is the storytelling component of it, right? How does an organization that has never really they may be doing amazing work, but they've never really had to tell their story strategically and tactically and emotionally, particularly now with all the noise on social and on digital. How do they do that well? So our bridge program helps an organization become better storytellers, helps them develop their first, really think about their approach to social media and their entire digital presence. So it isn't just their Facebook page and their Twitter feed, but it's their newsletter, their website, their blog, et cetera, et cetera, right? So how do they think about putting all of this together? And last but not least, how do they become better online fundraisers? It isn't, and, and that again, is the mechanical technology part of it, but then also the flow of it. How do, again, how do you compel me? How do you, how does your charity appeal to both my heart and my mind and allow me to give you money from my pocket into your bank account easily? So what I find really interesting here is that um, you're, you're saying charities need to become better storytellers and you're giving them the tools to do that. And from that perspective, therefore, it's kind of a level playing field. And I would imagine during the pandemic, people have become quite community focused and, and, and 
aligned with local interests. Mm-hmm. We've certainly seen people kind of shopping locally, being interested in local politics. And then at, 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 at an international stage, um, obviously there's been a huge amount of rancor about it, but a kind of a cutting of foreign aid. Yet you state that charities in Africa have fundraised more than those in Europe. And I would imagine that the fundraise, that the money rather that has been raised has probably come from Europeans because they probably have more disposable income than, than parts of the other, other parts of the world, perhaps. So what's going on there? Because that would seem to be contrary to the narrative of, of everything else that we've kind of stated there before. I think, I think the good news of what you say, David, is the playing field really has leveled out, including, by the way, for big commercial brands, you know, I don't know, Heineken, who are trying to find their voice around authenticity and impact and Gen Z and, and so on, uh, competing against local charities that are doing work in the community, both, you know, in real life and, and online, that people get really excited about and, you know, are... are, are are jockeying for that same sort of attention uh, and headspace and and um, and attention, and so um, I think there are a couple of things that that are going on. I think those smaller charities therefore have a great opportunity here. You're seeing many of them take it. So in the UK, across Europe, we do a lot of work across the US, as you might imagine, as well, where they can um, do all of those elements that Carlos was saying around the storytelling, converting that into funds or different call to actions, you know, volunteering, signing up to newsletter, just getting them sort of people more engaged and even just aware of the work that they do that could yield in more funds, but could yield other forms of, of impact. What's been really, really exciting about the, so you're talking about the participant, African participants uh, in the bridge program in a COVID response cohort um, last year, outperforming Europeans. I, I think part of what you say is right, David, but there's another part that we're seeing which is again the ability to um, support these organizations, nonprofits based in Africa, to engage with local donors as well. You know, you're seeing real emergent middle classes happening, and actually people probably using Apple Pay as much, I don't know, in Nigeria as they are in the UK, for example, in many ways. And so that ability to have a more seamless donation experience. We're supporting a lot of those organizations to engage with diaspora. And find so to your point in terms of engaging as well. And if you see the support for international aid, it has remained really high despite the this decision that was made um, by the government a few months ago. So I think you're even finding the kind of uh, people who are interested in those cause areas still contributing to them as well, whether it's to a local African or, or South Asian charity or to somebody based in the UK. So there are a couple of different dynamics at play. I think the good news that we see is that level playing field that you talked about, David, or the increasingly level playing field. Now it's about getting more support. You know, I'll just make one other quick point, if I may, that one of the the research reports that you cited earlier, over 80% of charities say they still don't have the skills required. And there's a big push right now going into party conference season by many charities and players in the sector to say, hey, Let's let's level that playing field even more. If this is the direction of travel, let's give that sort of proper substantive support so we can move the needle. And I think if just to, just to add and build on what Vinay has been saying, you know, I do, David, you, you are correct. I think people are, are hyper aware of 
th- of the issues that are hype that are happening that are happening to them in kind of in a, in a hyper local community level. But a lot of the times, those two things are mutually exclusive, right? You can you can be more aware, and we're seeing a lot of this. You can be more aware of what's happening in your own backyard. But you know, if 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 we didn't know it before, you know, COVID has taught us that what happens in another part of the world is going to affect us, right? And whether it's a disease jumping, you know, borders, or whether it's simply like supply chain, you know, trying to get anything right now from 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 Europe is. I mean, I'm, I just I, was, I just said to you guys earlier, you know, I'm moving house, and we've had to cancel all of these all of these things that we ordered because they're delayed for for you know, by many, many, by many months because of supply chain issues and a lot of other stuff that is not right for this podcast to discuss. But so, but it, but it goes to show you that the two things are mutually exclusive. People are, are becoming and want to give very locally, but people understand more and more that what happens in another part of the world, you know, affects you here. And so even though, yes, the, you know, the, the economy has been hit, um, but actually, you know, giving in some circles has actually gone up. Um, and so it's not there. It's not necessarily either or in all instances. It can be in addition to. Carlos, I moved house six months ago, so I feel. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, just very quickly before we wrap up, if someone is interested in Lightful and the services that you provide, how would they find out more? We'd love to connect with them. We're obviously on all the, the socials, given what we do, as you can imagine, at Lightful um, across the board. Um, do That's nice and easy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, do check it out, you know, drop us an email or go on to, to our website, lightful.com. Um, and really, I think as Carla said, there is a lot happening on social. Think of the big themes of the last, you know, 18 months as well as COVID. George Floyd, you're right, Carlos, things are moving across the borders. Think of Sarah Everard. I live in South London, ad- abducted not far from here. Mm. Think of what Marcus Rashford's impact has had nationally and, by the way, internationally. So I, I would encourage people to connect with us for sure. And also to really get involved in their local communities and national cause areas and what they want to do um, and, and support this sector at this at this key time. I think uh, us all chipping in will will make a, a really big impact. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to speak to you both. Um, Carlos, I hope your your home settles down soon mm-hmm. and uh, good luck for the for the few months ahead as we hopefully pull out the other side of this i hope that, that people remain as generous as they as they have towards the charitable sector absolutely thank, thank you. you very much not sure where you want to start but i i was quite keen to talk about the fact that um they make the point that many charities have impactful stories mm-hmm. um and this is about helping them find the voice and engagement and that call to action and i think it's a really interesting point um you know, when we're talking about enterprise businesses, they might not actually be the most inspiring stories to tell. They're, they're oh. businesses that effectively make money, but oh. they've got the resources to have brilliant marketing. Oh. Uh, whereas you've got charities that do things that genuinely can tug at the heartstrings and have real impact. But it's hard for them because they don't have the same level of resources. And there's a hell of a lot of charities, you know? Oh. Um I think it's Carlos, it might be Vinay, but I can't remember exactly who, points out the numbers of non-profits in the UK and the US. And it is truly staggering. So for these organizations who are making such a difference to so many people's lives, to get their message out there alone is challenging. Yeah. And I think you hit it right there. And mostly, I think the smaller charities are very specific or that I find are very like, you know, honed in because of, you know, some sort of story, a person, um, trusts or foundations that get built because of 
you know, someone quite close to him. And, and one thing that I can remember was um, growing up, I, when I was young, I was in school, there was a um, there was a, a guy in my year, he got diagnosed with a very, very rare form of cancer that I think, you know, is, is like one in a billion or something um, um, for, for a kid to contract it. And um, anyway, ended up passing away. And his parents then opened up a charity, um, you know, it's called the Alexander Divine kind of, you know, children's hospice, basically. And what happened was, is you know, people like that, and, and there's still, you know, we did a lot to support it being in the local area and in his year and all that sort of stuff. But I think charities like that, that are a bit smaller, that are very much kind of focused on one thing in a particular area, mm-hmm. um, they, they don't get the... I don't know, they don't get their headlines as much as, you know, the big names that they mentioned in the interview, right? Um, so for them to actually have a platform where people can use and, 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 a, and a tool that they can have access to, um, I think it's great. I think it's, it's so good. And it, in a way, it's a bit of a charitable business themselves, right? Because they're helping these people kind of launch their own names and kind of details and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you do, you yeah. come across these charities all the time that... that... Mm they're just struggling for space like um i was at a concert a few weeks ago and it was in support of scotty's little soldiers and so they had um they had the parachute regiment of the army there doing a display but the charity basically is for um bereaved british forces children Mm. um and you kind of go oh yeah i suppose of course if we have warfare uh and and service men and women die Mm. then undoubtedly many of them will leave behind children who then mm. got a massive trauma in their life yeah. and you just you just hear these things and you just yeah you go on through life and of course there are charities supporting people in all sorts of difficult circumstances but struggling to to get that airtime yeah i mean exactly exactly and, and i think also like without sounding really negative or bad about it but a lot of charities get the help of you know huge global names and um you know kind of people endorsing them like um you know for example um what what, what do they have is it children in need on the bbc like you know look look at them for example yeah they're doing great work i'm not knocking that for one second but the names the celeb status the clout that they get is huge right and as compared to another small charity which may be doing you know the same amount of good work and trying to do that they just wouldn't get that airtime or they mm. wouldn't get that kind of coverage. And I think, uh, you know, they, it really gives a voice and, and a platform to those that just can't access it because it is hard. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's very difficult um, when you're just trying to get your name out there, especially on social media or on And even with, when you do, like mm. I was chatting to, so I've got a friend who's CEO of a charity called Alive and Kicking, and they make footballs out of recycled materials in Africa. I've spoken about them before. Uh, and the, the money that they mate goes towards mental health and sex education within sub-saharan african communities and and the footballs are all made from like old handbags and old airline seats so it's recycled oh. materials um and you can you can play on the latest fifa in the kit so the akfc kit that you can physically buy um and if you if you are a patron of the of the charity they oh. send out the shirt to you 
uh, and they've got some some big sponsors in terms of African footballers behind them. Or terms, sorry, not sponsors, advocates. Yeah. Um, but on FIFA, just like you could play in the Man United shirt, you can play in the AKFC shirt. Nice. And that's an amazing platform, but it still doesn't really necessarily translate through to donations and people mm. supporting it. So you, you've got all these avenues now. But in a way, it's almost there's so many different ways that you could get the voice out there working out which is really going to drive engagement and which is going to actually have a call to action that works mm. you know you, you could you could try any number of different things in social yes. and on, on a, there are so many different channels and platforms understanding what fits your brand your voice is hard so when lightful then talk about coming in and educating you know they talk about the 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 three areas of their business products and solutions sorry products solutions and then the learning piece the learning piece is as important as anything Mm, 100% and I think I think it's just kind of giving that given the kind of whole picture right um whereas what these guys are looking to do is is they're actually looking to almost be I don't know if it's fair but almost be like the marketing arm of these charities and, and just be like, look, we'll take over. We'll help kind of push your content, push things out there um, and kind of grabbing it. And then hopefully helping to convert people into, you know, kind of donors. Right. And because that's how charities are worked. Um, I think, yeah, it's hard. And, and, and what Alive and Kicking are doing, as an example, I mean, they're doing great. They'll reach masses. They'll reach millions of people, billions, in fact, um, because, you know, FIFA is just a huge brand in the game and, and everyone kind of plays it. Um, but to then actually educate people, like you said, that's where the difference comes in. Um, or for people just to be inquisitive and go, oh, actually, that's a different shirt. That's not Manchester United or you know, um, Liverpool or Newcastle, um, mm. you know, let, let's, let's kind of do a bit of Googling. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, before we do move on, I, I think it's worth stating that it's, it's brilliant that, you know, we don't normally kind of use this as a, as a platform to necessarily espouse the guests, but 64% raised, more during the pandemic than before by the by the companies using the platform i think kudos that's brilliant uh especially given what we're talking about here and that many of those charities will be doing incredibly worthy things and without the help and support um will struggle and if you do have a bit of extra cash and there's something that you really care about uh, out there then then please do go and support it um even if it has nothing to do with lightful because charities right now can do with any help that they can possibly get very true so let's say don't put it in crypto no (laughs) don't put it in Uh, crypto give it to someone uh yeah give your money to a charity uh vinay um carlos thank you for being our guests when we come back after the advert we'll be talking about a way that we don't want you to spend your money definitely do give it a charity don't give it to apple A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. 
They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Here he is, on an Apple rant again. Not on an Apple rant, okay. no. But uh, I think there's a good article in the paper today saying, want to save the earth, then don't buy the shiny new iPhone. So on Tuesday, Apple released the latest phone. It's the iPhone 13. Mm -hmm. And the article is all about planned um, obsolescence, which is basically saying, you know, in marketing terms, every, every couple of years, they've got a brand new shiny model and they kind of plan for the model that you've got to feel a little bit inadequate and to try and get you to part with it for the new model. And it just points out, right, that it may be good for the phone companies, but it's bad for users' wallets and even worse for the planet because it encourages people to treat their phones as disposable. No one really knows how much e-waste is generated every year, but one recent estimate put it at 53.6 million metric tonnes in 2019 and as far as co2 commissions or sorry emissions are concerned uh, a 2018 canadian university study estimated that building a new smartphone and specifically mining the rare materials inside them accounts for 85 percent to 95 percent of the device's total co2 emissions for two years which means that buying a new phone takes as much energy as recharging and operating a smartphone for an entire decade crikey that's some scary numbers aren't they oh yeah this isn't really a go at apple no this is a go at at all the manufacturers really right throw away culture exactly it yeah. just happens to be that apple have got you know they've got their latest phone out right now yeah yeah i mean that's that's crazy right so as as you were saying that my phone was um kind of just flashing up with notifications and I just looked down on it and I was like, bloody hell, that's, you know, for a little piece of, you know, electronic that's like plugged in at the moment to a charger next to me, it's some, it holds some serious, you know, kind of weight and, and damage, right, um, to the environment. But I think the fact that just, just, per, just that, you know, that creation of the purchase, you know, at the point of purchase, it has already got as big a carbon footprint as, as charging it for an entire decade. That is quite startling. Yeah, that is many. And kind of makes you think, should I be should I be renewing every two years? And and I am as guilty as anyone in that regard. This mm. is just a, a, a case in point of making a stop and go, oh, hang on a minute. Mm, it is true. But then but then there's a lot of other things that like, you know, if someone did make that conscious decision to say actually no, stop. I'm not going to get a new phone, not going to upgrade, that sort of thing. But there are other things that you need on your phone that then become, you know, kind of undated, right? Outdated. Um, there's, there's that. So, for example, the, the work phone that I have is an iPhone. My personal yep. phone is an iPhone. My personal one is a, a, a very modern iPhone. It's not the 13. It's the one before that. And the work, um, the work iPhone, let's, let's be honest, they are useless oh, now yeah yeah exactly and there there are apps that i try to download onto my work phone that are just aren't supported because it's an yeah. iphone 8 i think it is um, i don't i don't use it anymore because it is just it it doesn't yeah. do what i need it to do i don't think it's got very much storage because of its age and probably yeah. work wouldn't have opted for a lot of storage uh, yeah. and 
and and it just doesn't hold its charge anymore. No, exactly. And it which just, is the planned obsolescence bit. And it just feels a lot clunkier, a lot slower, a lot less responsive. But then isn't the challenge to the smartphone manufacturers to be a little bit more forward-thinking and, and support phones for a little bit longer, offer updates yeah. that work for models that aren't just the two or three latest versions? That is true. That is true. But then, you know... Because they stop supporting them. And then when yeah. they stop supporting them, new releases stop coming out for them. Yeah. There's no reason why the iPhone 8 um, couldn't still be as snappy, but it mm. needs updates. And the other thing that, of course, you can't do with them is replace the battery. But if you could replace the battery... Yeah and stick a new battery in that had decent charge, mm. wouldn't be such a problem. Remember that old school when you used to be able to just open your phone up <clears throat> and yeah. replace the battery and, you know, kind of do funky things with it and whatever. And and now it's almost like, well, you've got them until we decide to, uh, you know, slow it down for you and not support it and uh, see you later. Um, you know, which is which is kind of carnage at the same time. So... Yeah, but, I mean, there, yeah. are, there are phones out there that you can that you can get. So Fairphone, Fairphone is a company that is all about good for the planet phones, and every single piece of it, uh, every single component mm-hmm. is replaceable. So you can take it apart. Mm. Now, does it have the quickest um, chip in it? Does it have the best camera? Does it have resolution? The the, the best screen? Yeah. No. So it is a trade-off. You, yeah. you, you're right. You know, it depends, I suppose. And some people like, I use my phone a lot for content creation. Maybe I'd argue I need a better camera. Mm. Do I? I don't know. It, it just it's, it's one of those moments where maybe we should pause and go, all right, it's great that we're in this position of affluence and can have pretty much anything we want, but should we? Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's, it's definitely a thinking point. And once you realise how, well, once you realise as you read out the numbers, it's like, pff, crikey, this is some serious And it's damage, not right? it's not to bash Apple, it's not to bash anybody else, it's no. not to have a go at people for the choices they make, but it's one of those things that if we've got a platform and you see something like that that makes you think, then oh. give, give, give the information out there so that people can make their own choice about what they do or don't want to do. And if they want to get the latest iPhone, then great. Maybe then they're due an upgrade because they haven't upgraded for five years, right? Mm. Um, but yeah. it's interesting that that just at that point, already mm. it's it's the same as 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 the impact that it'll have for charging that one device for for a whole decade. Yeah. Also, I think retailers as well. Like I remember O2, for example, there was a thing a few years ago where you could upgrade anytime you want, as long mm. as you you paid off your handset. And I've been there. I've been that idiot guy who's who's had a new phone every year. Uh, because I can, and it was like, oh, you know, again, it's, it may be because I was in my twenties so and I was a bit immature. I've had I think so many phones. Yeah, now that I'm in my thirties, I think I don't really worry about what phone I've got. But in your twenties, <laughs> thirtieth birthday, phone, yeah, he's yeah. mature. He's a <laughs> I'm new, mature. Yeah, he's a that's new man. It. In in your twenties, it's always like, oh, you know, I've got the newest phone and I've got this, and you know, it's a bit of a status thing. Whereas now, it's like, well, as long as I can call, text, and work whatsapp uh, i'm all right you know i don't need it for much else but um but yeah it is crazy and definitely makes me think um yeah mental well look i think that'll do for today we'll be back on friday um which will be fun because i think i think we're going to be recording i'm going to be recording from leeds oh not quite a beta is it but there we go. We can I mean, actually do a recording yeah. from Leeds. Yeah. 
<laughs> bit colder there, I reckon. Just just don't walk around topless. Yeah, probably. probably. I can't work on my tan. No, can't work right. on my tan, mate. Yeah. Right, anyway, Akish, belated happy birthday, everyone else. Thanks for Thank listening. You. We'll be back later in a week. I don't-